Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in to Miller and Condon. On a Monday is KXNO, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 on the FM dial. We get back to local sports programming here for the next couple of hours as Trent and I take you up until noon. We appreciate you spending some of your Monday here with us. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list, let's do that right off the bat here today. Tell you what's coming up on the program. Uh, Scott Darkerman will join us toward the bottom of the hour we will opine on a, just a horrible 42 hour period uh, for the Hawkeyes began on Christmas night particularly the final oh maybe five minutes of overtime and the final minute of the basketball game uh, is they let one they let one slip away uh, on uh, Christmas night as the Gophers put one in the wind column uh, and the Hawks move on till tomorrow night to, we will see the first place that's correct you ready for that, Trent Condon? The first place, uh, Northwestern, the Cats, uh, come into town. Quite the story. It huh? is quite the story. How about that? It's a, it is a good story because a lot, a lot of folks thought that they had a chance. And it's not like they were beating up on no, you know, some the Nebraskas right. of the world. Those are three quality victories uh-huh. as they come strolling into Carver-Hawkeye tomorrow. That'll yep. be fun. No, I'm with you. Uh, so we'll talk to Scott Dockerman on the football, the cancellation of the Music City Bowl that was uh, scheduled to take place on Wednesday. It won't. Uh, we will uh, catch up with Nick Athen about 10 minutes before the hour of 11 o'clock. Chiefs Insider. Primetime Sports Talk uh, is uh, Nick's website. It's kind of a catch-all for sports. Uh, if you're a sports fan and you want to uh, sp- go down a rabbit hole for a while, you can uh, at uh, primetimesportstalk.com. Chiefs, to me, yeah, I don't know. Are they as invincible maybe as we think they are? Uh, they haven't looked that way over the last couple, but they've won. Uh, then Bama Bob Trent and I will go around college football, what we've seen so far since the bowl season started. Take a look at tomorrow's and Wednesday's games. We'll save uh, the weekend's games for Thursday. And Dave Sproul will join us as we will catch up with Iowa State topics with our friend Dave Sproul from KASI, 1430 on the AM dial in Ames. Do the Cyclones ever get to play basketball again, by the way? Uh, they will in January. Thank God. I mean, this has been a ridiculous long stretch. It has been. There's been a lot of teams that have been that way. Yeah. I listened a little bit to Gary Rima yesterday as you and I was on oh, the air. back, sure. 18 days away, and wow. they looked it. They were not very good against Missouri State, get clubbed in that game. In fact, had a big run in the second half, got within, maybe even took the lead, but then came back the other way, gave up a 15-2 lead a run, and then a loss that game. But yeah, they'll play Missouri State again. We got undefeated Drake on How top of it. That? How about the dogs? And what do you think of the way that the MVC went about these back-to-back games. You're going to travel somewhere, mm-hmm. and when you do, you're going to play games on consecutive nights. Yeah. It's probably the right way to do I it, I think right? it is. Look, there's no handbook to get through yeah. these times, right? Yeah. It's 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 new to everybody, and uh, it's creative thinking what it is. You, I, you applaud them for it. 
and hopefully they'll be able to get through it. And right, the, the Drake Bulldogs are a story. I need to, uh, and I'm sure they will hear from 10 to noon. And I'm sure they have on, on some of the other are, are there three uh, local opportunities throughout the day here, but we not avoided it, but it's kind of been a back burner topic. Uh, but now as we kind of really dive headlong into college basketball, you can bet your bottom dollar there'll be Drake basketball conversation because they lose Liam Robbins. Mm-hmm. And you got to think yourself, wow, that's a blow. But they just, you know what? Good for them. Yeah. Good it, for them. DeVries has done an incredible job Since of building, there. building these rosters yep. on the fly, too. It hasn't been kind of that easy transition. All right, we're going to bring in a big class of freshmen, and they're going to grow. It's not what it is. It's Mm-mm. been pieces. It's been losing pieces. They didn't anticipate losing. On and on and on. And yet, even with all that, they've continued to win basketball yep. games, tied for the regular season title a couple of years back. Upset you and I last year at the Missouri yeah, Valley Conference Tournament. The championship. This this program, what can they be? When you look big picture, and we we go three, four, five years down. Tucker DeVries is there, probably elevates the program to another level. Is it where we are on a daily basis or a weekly basis? We're talking Drake. Well, how good are I when Iowa State that year? That's an important because that's part. what it took it, it, when they yes. when they made that run, that's, and that's, that's a really. What it took. I think that's something that people also maybe forget mm-hmm. when they look back at that year. What was it two thousand eight? Yeah, yeah. And just the the conversation and the way, but Iowa State and Iowa were both were really awful. down. Yeah, and because of that, it is something. Trent, we couldn't stop talking about. We did more remotes. The show I was part of mm-hmm. back then. I was doing afternoons here on KXNO. And the demand was get out there and talk about Drake and yeah. following them and following them to Tampa for their first round. Right. Just uh, Ty Rogers hits that shot. I'll never forget it. Um, it was a great story. But I, and unfortunately, and I do like the fact that they have uh, their, their marketing pitches, Des Moines team. Yeah, like that. Yep. Um, and, and I love the leadership over there. Mm-hmm. I think Harden's doing a terrific job. I tip my cap to him uh, because it was lacking for the longest time, right. let's be honest. And uh, he's done a terrific job. What can they be? It's going to take Iowa State to be like Iowa State is this year. But, you know, on the other side of the state, you've got a, an Iowa team that is going to, look, I get it's one loss. And they've not lost to Gonzaga and to Minnesota, but still a pretty damn good basketball team. So lots to get to. That's the guest list here today. Uh, we have to start with Iowa Christmas night and then go to the, the news from yesterday uh, that the Music City Bowl is going to be canceled due to the COVID outbreak uh, with Missouri. I know there's a lot of arrows pointed at Missouri. Look, these are, these are amateur kids, right? <laughs> They're not employees, they're not employees. They went home for Christmas. Was it the best move in their pandemic? Of course it wasn't. But how do you stop them from going to see their families when they haven't seen their families for, for as, who knows how long Missouri hasn't? Um, Iowa, Iowa kids stayed in Iowa City. You know, tip your cap to them. But they had a shutdown as well. And listening to Ferentz yesterday, they were going to be without some guys on if the game was able to uh, take place. As much as anything, Trent... It's 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 the Bulks committee, whoever puts these things together when you get to that point. Look, here's what we knew on December the 19th. Missouri and Arkansas played, and we've talked about this, I don't know, maybe dozens, at least two or three times. Missouri played in that football game with 54 players. Yes. This isn't new to anybody. So if you were in that spot... 
Missouri's going to raise their hand. Yeah, we'll, we'll play a game. But maybe it should have been taken out of their hands. Maybe that's who should be blamed for this at this point. Because you knew the next day that you were taking a team that the day before could only put 54 players on the field. That's where the blame should lie, in my opinion. You couple that with Iowa doing doing it right, if you will. Yeah. If Missouri was 9-1... And they were getting ready to play in, I don't know, the Citrus Bowl? Sure. You think they're sending them home for Christmas? I don't, probably. Um, if they're getting ready for the college football playoff? They, I would hope not. Um, they won the East, and they upset Alabama. Yeah. They're, they're the four seed. They're not going home for Christmas. So if this was going to be what it is, then just decline the bid. Sure. Just decline the bid and say, we're sending our kids home. This has been a long season. Yeah. There's been lots yeah. of... We've had two separate outbreaks. Remember, they had one at the beginning of this, uh-huh. too, at the beginning of the season, and now this second one. It's been trying... But should they have even been able... Should, they been, should that option have been put on the table for them when you knew 18 hours earlier mm-hmm. the 54 kids could answer the bell? Right. 54. That was it. Should they even be put in that place to... You know, to, to 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 accept the bid. Like, I feel bad for Iowa. It's awful the way Iowa ended their season. Who and, didn't want to see him play Michigan? Who didn't want to see him get rewarded with a bowl opportunity? Reading Scott Dockerman, who we'll talk to here in 20 minutes, reading his article about these frustrations, I think there should be more frustration maybe with the losing of the Michigan game. There are only six football players that were positive with COVID. Yeah. And because of the daily testing, contact tracing is not mm-hmm. supposed to be a part of this. They couldn't make a go of it with mm-hmm. six guys out. I, that's, I think, more egregious than what's happening and here with Missouri. they practiced on Sunday night, Trent. They yeah. practiced on the, on the week before the game. They came back after the Ohio State cancellation, and they practiced Sunday night, knowing that they were going to they were being sent to uh, to Kinnick Stadium for a game on Saturday night that didn't take place. Well, look at Ferentz said it yesterday um, during his press conference. He will remember this team. You know, of some of the in in his career. There are some teams that will stick out to him, mm-hmm. right? When he sits down, when it's all said and done, by the way, we found out that's no time soon right? Uh, that he has no plans to retire, which is, I think, for the most part, good with everybody. Now, <laughs> come talk to me in October after they've had a couple of uh, uh, games didn't go their way, <laughs> and I'm sure that the tenor will be a little bit different. That's what makes you fans, and we're grateful that you are. Um, but it's just... He'll, that That team was... They overcame the first two. They overcame the summer, and kind of and, and caused change for the better. Everybody said the right things. That yes, we're moving forward. You see the kids tweeting. You see them going to social media. Something that never would have happened uh, in uh, in the past. We th- we said it throughout the well. Actions speak louder than words. I think the actions did speak louder than the words. I think that there were the words, but the actions backed up those words. Then they got on the football field. And the Purdue game, they couldn't stop the run. Um, we heard a lot. No discipline in this team. Chris yeah. Doyle's there. It's a different story. Mm-hmm. You know, you should never fire Doyle. Heard it. Read it. Um the Northwestern game, get out to a big lead, and you see that one get away. But that's not the first time Northwestern's... And, and I will play these type of games. And then all of a sudden, the script flips, and you win a game, and you win another one. All of a sudden, you've won six in a row, and this team is playing as well as anybody in the Big Ten, quite frankly. Right. Um, 
and and you got a team a marquee program a helmet game with Michigan coming to town and that game's canceled and this one's canceled. It's it's an awful way to end the season. Pretty spectacular group, I think. And I mean spectacular in a way of just the way they came together. You know, Ferentz will never forget them. I think if you are a hardcore Hawk fan, you have your favorite teams, you have your favorite position groups, you have your favorite quarterbacks, offensive line, dot, dot, dot. I think you'll find a place for this one. And one of the fun things as you go through and and have conversations about past teams, at least for me, is thinking what more there could have been. We talk about the 2002 team. If they would have got their opportunity in a Big Ten championship game against Ohio State right after Thanksgiving, I still maintain they would have beat that Buckeye team that won a national championship. Mm -hmm. You think of if there was a college football playoff, the 2009 team, and they would have had that opportunity. There wasn't the injury to Stanzi. Mm -hmm. Getting that chance and just how good they were defensively. You have these conversations, and yeah, they don't play out that way. But I think you would have had in down the road. In 2009, does he, instead of sitting on the football, decide to... Right, right. right. Against the, in the Ohio State mm-hmm. game, up in the shoe. You have those conversations. They're fun. Barroom kind of parlor. You go back and forth. And I think a few years down the line, you know that 2020 yeah. team? Pandemic year. And especially pandemic? With, if it would have ended with clubbing Michigan 45-10. Uh-huh. Right. And beating Missouri 45-10. Okay. And you, you win these two games. You know, if there was actually... You know what? A sixteen team playoff. I think that team could have won a couple mm-hmm. of games. And you you can have those kind of sure. Now those conversations are moot. And nope. you're not having those because you didn't get the conclusion. You didn't get to the payoff. To top it off. You're right. The payoff. Absolutely. Yeah. Great way to say it. Instead, yeah, beat Wisconsin, but mm-hmm. it didn't feel like that was going to be the end. And it was the end. Yeah. Hearing Kirk talk about that. A little melancholy there. You could certainly no, come you can. through. This team, this team meant something to him, no mm-hmm. doubt about that. I think uh, it was um, it was it was a fun team to watch play. Well, the the good news is we still got one of the two needle movers, and we will see Iowa State, Oregon, and they will take play or take uh, uh, the field in the Fiesta Bowl. We'll do a lot on that coming up this week. Uh, let's go back to Christmas night, Trent. Um, look, marbles two threes in the, in the final minute. Uh, Toussaint had been hitting his free throws, and the in the end he couldn't do it. The game somehow got to overtime, and we saw what happened in overtime. Right, the kid couldn't miss. It was unbelievable uh, watching uh, Johnson hit three after three after contested three, um, and Iowa falls in a big way. In, in a big way, and you know what? In the first what was the score after the first twenty minutes? Uh, they they were down five. five or six, five thirty-eight, thirty-three. Okay. Uh, and then obviously uh, went to overtime in that game. Garza got his after you know he didn't get his early. Bohannon struggled to shoot the basketball. Uh, C.J. Frederick had an unbelievable basketball game. I thought he was terrific in the game. You know I saw Hassel tweet this, and and a, and a lot of Hawk fans agreed with him. Like he's a terrific player. Is he the second best player on the team? I think no. Joe Wieskamp is. Yeah, Joe even though Wieskamp had a bad Christmas night. Yeah. He'd been good up until then. Frederick's a nice player. I don't think he's the second best player on the team. And there are limitations to his game. You look at rebound numbers, they're atrocious, actually, mm-hmm. from C.J. Frederick. Now, it's not a big part in the way Iowa plays, and as they get out in transition, he's not expected to go down there and help out rebounding, but you're on the floor as much as he has, and his numbers are minuscule on that side. You look at defensive metrics. I think he's a pretty good eye test, mm-hmm. pretty good defender. Yeah. Looks like it. The metrics don't say that. Yeah, as they, far as it's... they say he's on the negative side as a defender, which again, do those eyes those numbers are fun when they match with your eyes, when they don't, <laughs> hey, you kinda of throw them aside. But that's at least what the defensive metrics say. He's not a 
a plus defender at the very least. He's a little below average. You put those together, Wieskamp is above average defender. He is a guy that can rebound, and we know about him. Plus, when he puts it on the deck, he can get to the rim yes. and actually finish. That's not the strongest part of Frederick's game. He's okay at it, but that's not the strongest part yet. Second best player in the team. I love C.J. Frederick. I, I love too. more than anything maybe the John that he likes to do, yeah. the talking. And, and he wants the ball in the, he in, does. in the most clutch situations. He's going to step up and make or take the shot. Right. Uh, you know, Some guys don't want the ball in their hand at that point. Or they make the free throws. Right, exactly. Late in the game. And, and Toussaint didn't late in the basketball game after making, what was he like? I think he made his first five and then missed his last three. Is that what it was? I'm pretty sure it yeah. was. He had two in the final 30 seconds or mm-hmm. final 40 seconds uh, of the game. Cars making threes. Boy, that step back. Trent, it's... You know, I watch it and I think, you know, that's 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 an extra step. It is, yes. There's I mean, a why are they calling that? It's a hop in there. There is, and then I watch it again. And I know I could see why they're why they're uh, keeping their. He gets uh, so much the distance. Though. Oh, that's unstoppable. It is. You, there's nothing you can do if you're, and especially when he's on, and he was yes. on. That's the frustrating part about this. So, a few different things. First of all. This was always my concern with this Iowa basketball team coming into the year. Well, first, defensively. Right. You give up, what was it, 83 points in regulation. It's not a good Minnesota team. They're okay. They got some parts. They got some parts, yeah. yeah Gotch didn't play particularly well, no. and he's had his nights. Robbins is decent. Yep. And you know what? I, he's in the right spot. Yes, absolutely. He's going to test himself against the Garza and against the Coburn and all the other bigs uh, in the league, and he wouldn't be testing himself in the Valley. Gabe Kalsher, who did he He's dirty? Did he play with Willie Burton? I mean, that seemed uh, like that guy's been in, at, with the Gophers yeah. for twenty years now. I, I don't. This is um, he takes some liberties out there. Kalsher. <laughs> he does for his limitations. Yeah, he, yeah, he that's maybe his game. It is absolutely. Yeah. I, I think there, but he wasn't very good. No, uh-uh. he's not a guy you worry about. The Mashburn kid is a fun story, right? And he's a smart player. Yes. Not a great player. No, certainly no. at this point. Look, in his Johnson career. Trent's the difference yeah. in the basketball. Eight to nine. You couldn't take him to the YMCA at the end of his career, right? Whatever, uh-huh. whenever he's done, he won't make that those shots ever again in his life. He did on on Christmas night. What was it? Friday night. Friday night. But in order to be an elite team, you could have a loss like this. Uh-huh. That, that's going to happen to most everybody, except Gonzaga. <laughs> yeah. It, there's kind of a head scratch. How'd you lose that game? That happens over the course of the year. For it to happen, though, this early, and the Big Ten is deep mm-hmm. and as good as it's going to be, you can't afford a loss like this. You just you can't have these kind of losses. You have to beat the Minnesotas and the Nebraskas and even that next tier of teams. You have to win road games. If yeah. you're going to win a regular season championship, mm-hmm. That's fair. you have to win these types of games. Yep. That's why I continue to say, I was a good team. I don't think they're an elite team, and, and it's the defensive issues that showed up again on Friday night. They can outscore anybody, mm-hmm. but when things are a little bit off, like they were for really, what, the first 17 minutes yep, of the game? they were. And then the last two minutes of the game? Yep, cut it to five before the before halftime. But when that happens, they don't have anything defensively that they can rely on. And then the switching of the defenses, and they go to some weird 1-3-1 look that they hadn't used all game long, and they start overtime off with it? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Fran, every game starts with the man. doesn't matter who they're playing. It doesn't matter how terrible a matchup it's going to be. They're going to start man. And a lot of times they're going to get behind. Okay, that's who they are. That's what they're going to do. I've accepted it. Not to foul. Three-point lead under 10 seconds. Yeah. Again, how many times does it have uh-huh. to burn you before <laughs> you actually at least listen to the yeah. conversation that happens there? 
They're hitting threes all over. Make them go to the line. Make them earn it. You have good free throw shooters. You have Wieskamp. You have Bohannon. Maybe take Tucson off the floor on that one after he missed those two free throws. You have plenty of guys that can make free throws. Instead, you give up the three-pointer, and then overtime happens. Yeah, it did. Well, you shoot 37% from the field, too, and that's going to come back and get you as it did. So we look forward to the Northwestern game coming up. Uh, tomorrow night, 8 o'clock. Uh, the game is, of course, off. you can't be in front of your TV, uh, WHO has it. I believe it's an FS1 affair tomorrow. I want to say it is. FS1, 219 on DirecTV with an 8 o'clock tip. A couple of bowl games. We'll discuss those uh, later on as uh, well. One of them at 430. Uh, the other, I believe, the is it the Alamo Bowl tomorrow night? At, at 8 o'clock? Don't yeah, we get Miami-Oklahoma State tomorrow? We do early, 4.30. 4.30 for that one. That's pretty yep. good. And I then, like that. Uh, and then the Alamo Bowl, same time as the Hawk. Um, I wonder if what uh, what ESPN is going to do now that the uh, Music City Bowl has been canceled. Hi, Bonnie Lucas. Good to see you. Our Broncos stink, and that's just fine by me. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, Bonnie from Van and Bonnie in the building. Um I wonder if they'll move the Mayo Bowl, which right. is early morning, was supposed to be an 11 o'clock kick. Wouldn't you put that in the afternoon? You would think so. I would think so, too. But it's also kind of a quick turnaround to do that. Already spots sold. Yeah. Already have people that have made their plans. Are people allowed in North Carolina for the for the uh, Mayonnaise Bowl? Uh, I'm trying to think. I, I, saw, I watched Denver play the Broncos. Uh-huh. Um... For people that traveled and, you know, we got you a flight know, actually leaving at 7 o'clock. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Uh, let's take a couple of calls. Uh, Jeff is up first. Uh, let's do these rapid fire here. Uh, we got to get to Scott Dockman. Uh, Jeff, welcome to the program. Uh, thanks for being patient. Go ahead. Here's the deal. Um, and I don't know what I was watching, what you guys were watching, but um, I, didn't, I thought the closeouts were really, really bad, to be honest, especially at the end of the game. Um, you got to run off those shooters off the line because in a in a zone, the defense is going to shift down. So if you run them off the line, you're going to have help at the block anyways. So just this, 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 the contest was soft, to be honest. With the exception uh, of one, and he made. And I, I, I guess you're, I'm assuming you're talking about Johnson, the three point. With the exception of one, yeah, he had good looks. You're right. That's fair. I mean, so, there was only one that he really, you know, you think how the hell did that go in? Well, here, and I'll, and I'll give you something else. So here's the deal. They can't play man like kind of Trent said, so they go into their key three. I would have ran a triangle in two, to be honest. Um, they threw in that one, three, one there to start overtime, but you gotta just, if you grab a couple of the shooters and just run the triangle, I think, I don't know. Again, Fran knows way more than I, but they're two, three, like last year and like this year, it gets burned. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, they just cannot play man. That scares me come March. Forget mm-hmm. about what happened. In the conference, they'll be fine. They're going to lose some games. They're going to win some games. But if you can't defend, because historically they don't do good in the Big Ten tournament, but come tournament time, if just play average defense and they'll be fine. But they don't want to buy in. And if you're not going to buy in now, what's going to change in February and March? So I don't know. That's my that's my take on it, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate the call. Steve is next, and we'll get to a break. Steve, uh, what's on your mind? Go ahead. Turn your radio down, Steve. You're up. Oh, okay. Hey, um, I'm telling you right now, Iowa's overrated. I'm a Drake fan. And Coach DeVries would never, he would never make those mistakes. Oh, Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm a Drake fan, and I, I watched the end of the Iowa game the other yep. day, and, and Coach DeVries would never make those mistakes. Fran is way overrated. Their, their defense is terrible. They couldn't make shots. 
there were so many uh, strategic things that he makes messed up on. It was it was terrible. Steve, thank you. Need to watch. No, we will. Absolutely will. Mm-hmm. The dogs have our attention at 10 and 0. No doubt about that. Uh, Scott Dockerman will join the program next. Miller and Condon till noon. Uh, we will hear from uh, Nick Athen. We'll do uh, something on the Chiefs. What do you think about the Chiefs? Am I making too much of this? I don't think they're the. Look, there were times you're thinking, this team is. Who's going to beat them, right? right yeah. I, I don't feel like that anymore. No, not at all. And Matt Ryan almost beat him yesterday. What's Aaron Rodgers going to do? A Tennessee. If they get that far. A Cleveland. A a Buffalo. A Pittsburgh, a Buffalo. You can make arguments that I don't think you could have made even three, four weeks ago. Right. That this team can come in there. Mahomes, he, Mahomes got away with a couple of throws on top of it yesterday. And he, and he got, and he was picked a couple of times in the game. Was it? Once for sure, I think twice. Just one of those games? Or is there more here? This has been, what, six weeks now Mm -hmm. that they have won but not covered? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a fair point. You know what? It's been a bunch. Mm-hmm. They're stacking them up. I just don't feel like this team is as invincible uh, as maybe we thought they were. Scott Dockerman next. Miller and Condon until noon. Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO. 106.4. Just past 10.30 on a Monday, it's Millery Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Food security is not new to, insecurity is not new to Iowa. Before COVID, one in 10 Iowa and one in six Iowa children did not always know where they would find their next meal. Food, food insecurity double today, triple for households with children. To get help, or if you can help, please visit Iowa foodbankiowa.org foodbankiowa.org Scott Dockerman joins the program his week changed significantly as a lot of folks did uh, here with the announcement yesterday that the Music City Bowl has been cancelled Doc joins us Doc Trenton Ken thanks for coming on how are you I'm doing great, guys. How are you this morning? Doing pretty well. Uh, Scott, I know that there had to be a, a lot of disappointment. I've seen a lot of the players uh, on Twitter expressing their disappointment that uh, that season ended the way uh, that it did. Give them all the credit in the world for, you know, for persevering, quite frankly, through this pandemic and getting as much as the season is as they could. There were no cancellations uh, due to uh, outbreaks within the program. We knew that, you know, had the game been played on Wednesday, that not everybody would have been able to participate. Uh, but give all the credit uh, that's deserved uh, to Iowa for making it through the season. Well, yeah, I mean, this was, uh, you know, a season, once you got to the end of the regular season, Iowa was one of only three Big Ten teams to not lose a game because of the, the of COVID. And, and uh, now, granted, like, Nebraska didn't have an issue either, and it, it was unfortunate that Wisconsin did. So, I mean, this this was going to be a tough year. We all kind of knew it. It probably turned out to be a little more difficult for the Big Ten than we all, you know, even suspected in the beginning. I thought maybe we'd all, you know, most teams would lose a game, maybe not as many as what Ohio State and Michigan and a few others did. But, but yeah, give, give Iowa credit that once it got to that point of uh, once the season was back on, they were really diligent in how they wanted to, uh, you know, to, to perform and to play and, and make sure they could. And, yeah, they had some positives through the course of the year, and, uh, but that, you know, they were able to persevere and, and they would have been able to play two more games if, it's, if their opponents would have uh, been able to play. Doc, reading your uh, article about this over at The Athletic, 
the part about Michigan stayed with me. I mentioned a little bit earlier. Six football players were positive, yet they didn't play the game. Something stinks here. Something just doesn't add up from what we know with what the Big Ten's doing with the daily testing and the contract tracing that for all intents and purposes isn't needing. Can you fill me in a little bit more and the listeners about what exactly went down with that Michigan game that was supposed to be played and why it wasn't? Yeah, there. well, it was six throughout the athletic department, not just uh, or players, athletes among the athletic department, not just football players. So uh, after they don't cut it by the, the sport itself. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the one thing with the Big Ten is that there are, um, you know, you have that 21-day policy, so you do have to back it up a couple of weeks. But I, I do think that, uh, you know, the, the Michigan found a way – to incorporate contact racing or other issues into its decision to cancel. It, I don't think it had as much to do with specific positive tests. And in this pandemic era, you can find ways to, you know, I mean, Wisconsin did it the first week. Wisconsin was under that threshold. It could have played Nebraska. And yet it chose not to because it was fearful that there were more positives. And if any team is can say that, they can and not play. However, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think we could all speculate as to why Michigan may have not wanted to play that game. And, uh, and it certainly was within the purview under the system to, to make sure it didn't play that game. But I, I don't think that it was outright due to positives. Let's put it that way. Mm, interesting. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Well, Doc, uh, now that it's over, and it's unfortunate, but it is over, we can look back on this and, you know, kind of uh, some of the high points, etc., of the season. To you, I mean, Davian Nixon would be the answer to this question, but uh, who else, Doc, other than Nixon, really elevated their game? Who, Whose um, 2020 season did you not see coming? Zach Van Valkenburg. Oh, okay. uh, Good know, one. I, I saw him last year kind of fill in once in a while for A.J. Epineza, and he was just a guy to me. You know, just a guy filling that up time, space, snaps, until A.J. Epineza get back on the field. Uh, he became a very good player. One of the, you know, he was a second team all Big Ten caliber player, and he really solidified that position because I'll say this in the first two games, he was kind of non existent to the point of, why don't you throw on a true freshman? Why don't you throw on a Deontay Craig or a you know YA Black or somebody like that out there if, if he's going to do this? And instead, from game three on, he not only showed he belonged, he was one of the better defensive ends in the, in the conference. So I think that was uh, that was the most impressive plus uh, of the of the season for me because you know the other question marks were based in. Can they take their, you know, can they bounce off injury like uh, Cole Banwert, um, you know, somebody like that? This was more, I didn't see him doing much, and he became one of the better players in the Big Ten. Doc, we've talked uh, certainly after the first few weeks of the season about this becoming an open competition at the quarterback position once we get to January. Well, there'll be no bowl game, and the next thing we'll really be talking about is spring football. Do you believe that the the competition at the quarterback spot is going to be really open, open just because nobody's spot is eight, that old adage, or or a lot more? Just your takeaway and your read on how a quarterback's going to play this spring. I do think it'll be open. Now, I'll say this, that Spencer Petras has a clear advantage as the incumbent, mm-hmm. and he did play better lately, but I think it's fair to everybody um, 
to to make sure that it is open. That that Alex Padilla, Deuce Hogan, you know Joey Labus, if uh, they bring in a another quarterback, you know a grad transfer or something like that, that it's all open competition to see who is the best. Because I think the program deserves that, uh, and the players around them deserve that to have the best player. This year, it, you know, it was kind of like it reminded me of. Uh, of Rudock in 2013, you know, he was mm-hmm. the best player for that position because he knew the offense the best. And I think, you know, Spencer Petrus was that way. He has a lot of upside. Um, they figured they could kind of deal with him and work with him. But now I think next this spring and all summer and end of training camp, they, Oh, you know, they'll have those players. They'll have the opportunity to work with the Iowa system and then they can show their abilities. So I think at this point it's, Open it up. If Petrus wins it, great. If it's Padilla, if it's if it's close, and you need to kind of use a little bit of September to, to decide that, that probably is not the best consideration considering who they're going to be playing against in their first two weeks. But if that's the case, then I think uh, you know you, you do that anyway to try to get the you know the best player because um, if if you've got a C plus level quarterback starting just because he's a starter. That's probably not the best thing for this uh, program, especially now, kind of in the twilight of Kirk Ferentz's career. Uh, Scott Dockman is our guest. Doc, no surprise that Nixon is exploring, and he'd be a fool, I think, at this point not to go Kuiper. Not that Mel Kuiper gets them all right, but he's got uh, David Nixon at this point in his top ten over at ESPN.com. And I know that Dane Brugler at your shop, The Athletic, is awful high on him as well. What did surprise me is Tyler Linderbaum, uh, that Ferentz says, I haven't had that discussion with Tyler. That sounds to me like Tyler has, you know, kind of reading between the lines that uh, Linderbaum has not gone to Ference and asked for help, that the center that I think a lot of people just assumed would go to the next level after the season ended is not going anywhere. Is that how you took it? Yeah, I think that's fair. And and, uh, I'd imagine that they'll have that conversation this week, possibly as soon as today. Simply because I think it, it it's probably even in Kirk Ferentz's best interest to say, "Hey, I'm just letting you know uh, this is where they're seeing you. Do you have interest in going or not?" But all along, he's kind of said that. I've, I've talked to a couple of different scouts who've said that 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 uh, Kirk doesn't think that Linderbaum will will leave, that he'll stay. And if that's the case, then that's awesome for Iowa. But I think one thing it does show is that when you have players who are invested. Uh, in the state and have been here. And in his case, he's from Solon. He grew up an Iowa fan. He loves Iowa, and he's a sophomore now. He's only been three years. Uh, that I think they have a, a different kind of attachment than a lot of other players do. And T.J. Hawkins had had the same thing, and it it killed him. I mean, it, you know, talking to people around him during that process, he wanted to stay in the worst way. It was a heart versus head decision, and his parents kind of had to push him out the door <laughs> and say, hey, you're not, what happens if you get an ankle sprain next year and your numbers come down and you're a third-round pick? I mean, you're going to make a lot of money now. Yeah. So he kind of knew he had to do that. I don't think Tyler's got that type of profile. Um, you know, I think he could be a top 50 guy, you know, maybe mm-hmm. second round, maybe even a first round. But uh, I think he loves Iowa. He loves his teammates. Uh, he's, you know, he's still pretty young. He's not even 21 yet. So I think in this case, he's just kind of pointed towards have one more good year and then make a, you know, probably make the right decision next year. No retirement for Kirk. At least uh, he says so yesterday during that Zoom conference and hearing him, seeing what he's gone through this offseason and where he is. 
But it's just, it's hard to imagine him walking away anytime soon. I don't know. If I gave you, I know you and uh, Morehouse back in the days of the Iowa, on Iowa podcast like to play with some over-unders. If I put the over-under at two and a half seasons, where would you lie, uh, Kirk Ferentz, in his future? I mean, I, I don't think it's going to be that much longer, but I do think that, and, and I, I kind of put it almost a year to year. So I guess I would take your under on that just simply because, you know, he is 65. He'll be 66 next year when he coaches, which mm-hmm. really isn't that much older than Fran McCaffrey, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. It's just he's been here for so long that you naturally just think that he's, you know, really old, but he isn't. But uh, this season wore on him like no other that I've ever seen. And of course, that's the whole nine months of. Uh, you know, COVID, the the investigation during the summer, the the season itself, uh, and you could tell that it really wore on him. And then he got COVID himself, so I, I think he's he deserves everybody deserves kind of some time away and just to kind of recharge and and get get back to normal. And I think when he does, he's going to see, you know, this program is much healthier than it was even five years ago. Uh, it was it was kind of floundering five years ago before that 2015 year, and this year it's not. This year it's, I mean, this is going to be the third straight year they finished ranked. That um, they've had, you know, four out of the last six years, and even the two that they weren't didn't finish ranked. They had eight wins and were ranked at some point in the year in the, in the playoff rankings. So I think he sees that the arrow is still pointed upwards. It's just, uh, you know, how can they get over the top? And uh, they, you know that's that's probably the most uh, frustrating part because. They were really, really close this year. It's just, uh, you know, two early games cost them the chance to be somewhere special, kind of like Iowa State, where Iowa State is right now. Yeah. Good point. Scott Darkerman. Doc, uh, last thing, uh, at least for me, uh, Coach Ferentz yesterday said he didn't anticipate a lot of seniors that would take advantage, that he thinks a lot of them uh, would move on. Um, when do you think we'll have a final clarity on that? I mean, that's got to take place here in the next week to 10 days, I would think. But are you kind of surprised that, uh, that maybe not a lot of them will take advantage of, uh, coming back and playing that, uh, playing that extra year? I mean, I'll use your guy, Van Vulkenberg. Uh, he certainly took some steps forward toward the end. Might he be a candidate to come back for more? And are you surprised that seemingly there's going to be so few of them? I'm not surprised that the upper echelon players or the you know aren't going to come back. That's just it's common sense. Now you know like Amir Smith, Barstet, Brandon Smith, if they could have come back, but you know what what would they do to their draft position? Would it make it stronger or weaker? Sometimes you just need that change in life, and I understand that. Um, there are you know Nick Demons. This is his fifth year. If he's got a chance to play at the next level, you kind of take it right now. Keith Duncan said the same thing. Uh, the ones that I kind of question are the, the the grad transfers that came before the season, Jack Heflin and Cody. Uh, uh, oh, the, the right tackle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Kronk barely played this yeah. year. And, you know, and he was really looking forward to, to trying to get a chance to play with Iowa's offense. He didn't get a spring ball. He didn't. He wasn't healthy enough for it anyway. And then you know, didn't get a fall. And, and so he, at best, he's a, he's an undrafted free agent. And I don't even know if he gets signed by an NFL team at this point. So, you know, it would behoove him if he thinks professional football is in his future to go ahead and play Jack Heflin, you know, one year with Iowa, he looked really good. Would this be the year that he, you know, I mean, there's all those questions, but you know, if there's one player, and this may sound strange, that I think that they really need to put a full-court press on and to keep is Caleb Sudek. Um, oh, yeah. He's as good as they've said all along. 
um, to Keith Duncan, and it's always, you know, every time they mention Keith, oh, it's really close with him and Shudek, keep him around because uh, he never, you know, Iowa plays a lot of field goal games, yeah. although not much this year. You know, you want to you want to keep that guy around. So I, I would put a full court press on him, and then a few others. You know, a Matt Hankins kind of I, I wonder about, and uh, you know, and of course, you know, like you said, Coy Cronk, Jack Heflin, Zach Van Valkenburg. Although he's already got his master's degree. Oh, really? Wow! Uh, wants to get a doctorate in Russian <laughs> studies. He's brilliant. Uh, I don't know if he's next. So I know Mackay Sargent won't won't stick around either. Good stuff. Hey, Doc, uh, just 20 seconds. Iowa on the basketball hardwood falling to Minnesota. Your takeaway from that. Big deal, small deal, where you at? Um, I think right now that, you know, this it's tough to get crisis. I think this is uh, it's, it's an issue, and they've got to get it fixed because there's no more room for error for this team that they want to reach the level that they want to be at. And if you want to go to Minnesota and give up 100 points, hmm. then you're not going to get to the Final Four in the season's a disappointment. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Doc, great stop. Happy New Year. We will talk to you uh, next Monday. Appreciate you coming on, Doc. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Yeah, you do the same. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. All right, uh, we'll get to our friend Nick Athen, primetimesportstalk.com. Next, Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106. Starting this Friday, you'll be able to sign up for the DraftKings Sportsbook app from anywhere, including your house. To kick off the new year, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all players a chance to double their money if a touchdown is scored in Friday's semifinal game taking place in New Orleans. That's right! All it takes, one touchdown for you to double your money. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe secure, and reliable, making it easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KXNO when you sign up to have a shot at doubling your money. If a touchdown is scored in Friday's college football semifinal game taking place in New Orleans. That's code KXNO for new players to get a shot at doubling their money for a limited time and only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Iowa only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-RP.com. Vasectomies. Yes, we're talking vasectomies. It's Trent Condon from KXNO. If your family is complete, the time is now to get on the horn and make your appointment with the Urology Center of Iowa. The time for my vasectomy is coming up. I set up my appointment with a great group of doctors at the Urology Center of Iowa. It was easy to do, and you can do it as well. Now is the time to maximize your insurance benefits before the end of the year. Call 515-400-3550. Again, 400-3550 to set up your appointment today or go online iowauro.com that's iowauro.com vasectomies with the urology center of iowa no ice packs or bags of peas recruits company and affiliates ken miller trent condon miller and condon on 1460 kxno and now on 106.3 fm this is kxno Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Uh, this kind of took, caught me off guard a little bit here, Trent Condon. Yeah. Nick Athen, let's get him on here. Um, Nick Athen, primetimesportstalk.com. So, Nick, Trent and, uh, and I were just discussing the conversation that you two had off air. Can, can we do it on air? <laughs> Sure, go ahead. Because go ahead. honest to God, I think I think this is um, this would help uh, in the situation that we're in. You have COVID now for the second time. 
Yes, and a lot of correct. folks didn't think you could get it twice, and I don't think that I don't think I've come across anybody that's got it twice. So, when did you get it the first time, and then when were you told you've got it, or your test came back positive again? The first time was uh, was post uh, Super Bowl week, uh, so early. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was so I had it before it was a thing, you know. Yeah, and uh, so it was really bad. I mean, Emily had it, my wife. Yeah. Uh, five days of just four or five days, just couldn't get out of bed, hot, cold, you know, everything. This go around, it's a lot less. I mean, it's just more, um, I never lost. It's interesting. I didn't lose my sense of taste or smell the first time, but this time I can't smell anything, but I can taste things. Isn't that weird? So is this kind of bizarre? I'm just kind of achy. I don't have a fever. Obviously I built up the antibodies. Yeah. From the first go around, so nice. hopefully if I get it that third time, <laughs> I'll be I'll be good. But we had a massive breakout in our office that so we've been home for six seven days and going to be home for at least another week. Mm. But um, other than that, just kind of miserable, but not you know not overly uh, not overly bad anywhere near close to as bad as it was the first time. Well, look, um, I, I'm glad that you uh, allowed us to share that piece of information sure. because there was a lot of people. Can you get it twice if you've had it? Can you get it again? Yep. Dot, dot, dot. Well, now we know that uh, um, when we know somebody that can. Anyways, uh, so best of luck to you and your family. Thanks. Glad that it isn't as severe this time, Nick, and, we'll, and you'll get through this. Uh, your Chiefs, let's get into them, Nick, because, you know, I know point spreads aren't everything, right? But but you're you're so yeah, right? Because they're not covered. They don't look as dominant. They're winning on the road. Look, I don't want to come across here saying this team is not good. The doing what they did, the road schedule that they were given, and to get through that unblemished is remarkable. But they're struggling to put teams away, um, Nick. And you just have to wonder if it's going to catch up on you. What's your level of concern? You know thought a lot about this yesterday and i keep thinking you know the chiefs were a pass interference penalty away in the raiders game of, of, of trying to go 16 and 0 next week so they just find a way to win this team is just this is a, it's just it's business to them they get bored they don't play well they have stretches they still have not put a complete game together in the past Mahomes era yet they're 15 you know 14 and 1 and they're going to get a week or two to rest they're going to get healthy they're going to get some injured bodies back and there's not a game scenario that they're going to face that have come before. So I think when you couple that with the fact that they just have this inner drive to kick it in when they have to, but, you know, going back to the point scores and the spread, this offensive line is not good, mm-hmm. okay? Let's just be honest. It's not a very good offensive line. Up the middle, it's terrible. Patrick Mahomes is running for his life. It wasn't until Kilgore came in at the end of the last drive before you saw Patrick Mahomes have a clean pocket where he didn't have to move. And obviously that was the touchdown pass to Robinson. So, you know, Andy Reid's got three weeks to maybe make some changes on the offensive line, but with new scan, you know, he needs to play. Um, you know, Wiley is, is not playing very well. Um, you know, put kill. They have Schwartz back. Then they're going to be okay. They can win two games at home. And lastly, I think the biggest thing is, the bigger thing that's hurting this team is they don't feed off their fans. There's just not enough fans in there for them to get that extra boost of energy and to stay more focused during the game. They're relying on each other to do it. And I, I just think for a team like Kansas City that, that plays on emotion, that's a, that's a hard thing for them to overcome. 
definitely got carved up at times defensively, even only giving up the 14 points. You saw Ryan very good. The linebacker crew is banged up. You had Hitchens, he was inactive. Wilson inactive, and then Neiman goes down. A couple of former Hawkeyes involved there. What can you tell us about that linebacker crew, getting them healthy for what will turn out to be the divisional round game, most importantly, and also Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Well, I, I think this is, I, I, you know, I hate to, I hate to put this in this light, but you know, Ben Neiman hasn't really played that well. He's missed a lot of gap assignments. Willie Gay needs to be on the field. This is probably going to push him out there um, to be on the field, which is going to be a good thing because he made a lot of really great plays yesterday. Um, you know, I, I think Wilson will be back for the postseason. I think Hitchens will obviously be back for the postseason. So they're going to have their, they're going to have their starters back. They're going to have their main unit back. And I think I think they're going to be fine as far as Hilaire goes. They probably will have him ready um, for the the first playoff game. They may hold him out depending on the opponent. Uh, but but Bell's not 100 percent either. He needs some rest too. So um, I think you're going to see a lot of Darwin Thompson this weekend uh, against the Chargers, just kind of getting some mop up duty. But I expect you know for three weeks to go for the first game, they're going to have all their walking wounded back. They'll be rested. Uh, they'll they'll be in good shape. So how does uh, how does Andy Reid go about the game against the Chargers? It's meaningless to the Chargers. It yep. wouldn't hurt the integrity of the game if if uh, you know the Chargers do win it. Uh, they have right. nothing to play for. Kansas City obviously does, and I guess in particular, what do they do with fifteen? How much does he play? You know, I, I think this is a this is the this is the first preseason game. I think you give the starters a quarter just to get some work in. You know, to get involved, you know, maybe throw a few bombs to tell Kelsey see if he can get over 1,500 yards receiving. Um, then after that, I think he just rests everybody. I don't play anybody that's injured. Um, I, I, you know, I know Kelsey's banged up a little bit. Dell's banged up a little bit. Um, you know, they've got some secondary guys who are a little bit banged up. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't play anybody that, that has any chance to aggravate an injury worse. Tyree Kill, I probably wouldn't play him either. He needs a rest. You know, you want that hamstring 100%, you know, in the next three weeks. So, um, if I'm Andy Reid, I-, I probably play some of my starters for the first period, and then after that, it's just you know let's let's let's, let's move on, get out of here without any other injuries. Because um, I think the Chargers are going to play bland. I think the Chiefs are going to play bland. You're going to see a lot of runs. Not going to see a whole lot of passing. Would be my guess. When Kelsey limped off, where was uh, <laughs> where were you during that time? <laughs> Curled up. Like, oh my god! What else could what else could go? First of all, the franchise quarterback looks like a like an amateur. Mm-hmm. He played terrible for the majority yeah. of the game. Then Kelsey gets it. Then Watkins goes out, and then I kept waiting for Tyree Kill's hamstring to collapse or snap, which you know, thankfully it didn't happen. But yeah, that was that was hard. That was a hard game to watch. But you know. Give the credit to the Falcons. They had a great defensive game plan. Uh, they got pressure on the quarterback. Uh, I, I, Matt Ryan, who was so close to becoming a Kansas City Chief, um, you know, had he not been drafted by the Falcons, Sir Edwards told me point blank that they were going to draft him at number five over Dorsey. So, you know, that, that I, I thought he played well. Um, I think he's a good quarterback. I think Eric Bieniemy, when he gets to Atlanta, is going to have a great veteran. They draft a young quarterback. The quarterback, and, and I think that franchise is going to be in, in a good spot. Uh, they're a good football team. They're well coached. Um, they played with a lot of passion and heart. At the end of the day, the only person that played poorly was their kicker, which we never thought would happen. Yeah, that's for sure. That one wasn't even close. Nick, listen, we're out of hour. We appreciate it. Get well. Best to you and your family. You, You'll sir. get through this. Happy New Year. Thank you, Nick. All right, guys. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Uh, and you guys take care. We'll Good talk to, to talk to you. Later. Hour two coming up next, 1460, 106.3 FM. You can see it. Picture it.
the building you've always wanted, an expansion of your existing business, a new retail center where your growth really begins to take off. You've got the vision, but now what? Now you connect with Graphite Construction Group. Formerly Roshan Corporation of Iowa, Graphite Construction Group is the partner you want to match your vision. From the moment you first connect to long after the build is complete, nobody does it better than Graphite Construction Group. See why at graphite